I'm Dr. Gene Hansen. For more than 25 years, I've been answering your financial questions on Atlanta's longest-running and most respected money show on radio. This is Money Talks, providing honest, straightforward answers to your financial questions. This broadcast of Money Talks originally aired Saturday, March 6, The excessive decline. Greed. In the dollar. For lack of a better word. A late rally on Wall Street. Too big to fail. Growing the economy. Growing the economy. Good paying jobs. Good paying jobs. Welcome. Yeah. This is Money Talks. Money Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running, most-respected money show on radio. I'm Troy Harmon here today with Shauna Theriol. Yes, in person. In in person. First yeah, time in a long time. It really is. Uh, has been quite a while. It months, has. Right? It has. And uh, on the phone, we have Jennifer Thomas. Hey, Jennifer. Hello. From the beautiful seashores of the Gulf of Mexico. She's uh, <laughs> she joins us remotely today. Uh, Jennifer's one of the lucky ones. She she's the one that got away. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking advantage of being able to work from anywhere. That's right. Uh, nice. you know, that is awesome that we've learned such a lesson. I hate it had to happen at such a, an expense, but uh, the reality right. is, uh, you can work in certain jobs from just about anywhere. That's right. You know, if it's uh, if it's a, an office type job, technology has proven itself. Oh yeah. And uh, Jennifer is enjoying that uh, on this beautiful sunny day from the beach. Uh, Shauna, I know we always talk about this, so I'm going to make you go through it again. Shauna is a CFP certificate. She is a CPA. You can use that one as a noun, right? CPA. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, she also holds the CDFA designation. Financial Analyst, correct. Certified Divorce Financial Analyst. And they're not too picky about the way you present theirs, right? No. Yeah, okay. Well, tell us a little about what a CDFA does. And here's the thing. I really expected going into this thing, and there was some talk, you were going to have one of two things. You were either going to have a, a, a baby boom or you were going to have a boom in divorces coming out the backside. Have you noticed any of that? Well, in the office, we've definitely had baby boom. Don't baby you think? boom, I think so. I yeah. haven't heard of any divorces, so I yeah, hope not. No, but. no divorces <laughs> that I've heard, but uh, I didn't know but what that designation might get you in a spot where you have to talk more to folks that are going through that uh always untimely event yes absolutely it, it honestly hasn't but it, it's more of a an equality looking at it's not one side or the other it's making both of them whole you know in a division situation is it making them both whole so it's really an objective view of it yeah i, I would imagine sometimes and, and you probably run across this just doing financial planning but i would imagine that Often you find one spouse or the other handles the finances and the other one might need some education. Absolutely. I, I assume Absolutely. that's part of what a CDFA does. Yeah, I mean, it, it does help with that, but also just looking at it objectively, right? If, if you're getting a divorce and, you know, one spouse just gets the house because it's half the assets and the other spouse gets the investable assets, if you will, then, you know, how is the spouse getting 
the house going to support themselves if they don't have any investable assets. So it's kind of looking at all of the assets and the structure right. of them in the division. So even though it's it's equal value-wise, it may still not be plausible that way. I can only imagine that some math gets involved when you've got one spouse that wants the IRAs and the other one that wants, I'll just take the taxable account. Absolutely. Yeah. Or you got to consider... Tax consequences and all of that. Yeah. So I... Uh, never a fun subject, but no. uh, it, it's always something that's necessary. Absolutely. Uh, when talking about finances. All right. Well, let's uh, talk a little about what's been going on in the stock market. And uh, it has been another of those odd situations. I think this is two weeks in a row we've seen a contraction in the stock market. Uh, market over the last five days has been... Is that odd because you said it was going to be up? Uh, well, it's uh, the reason I say it is going to be up is because he history is. tells me that it is. Uh, it more often is. It's it's not that I'm clairvoyant at all. Uh, it's just that I know the Well, we have the crystal ball, right? Well, we've got a magic eight ball sitting right here on the table. But, uh, I, you know, I, I, the crystal ball is actually out for service right now. So, I, <laughs> you know, I can't use it. But... Uh, uh, we have seen energy surge to the to the top of the pack as we uh, really expected this to happen. Um, you know, we're up two over two and a half percent over the last uh, week. Uh, market overall is down almost two percent, one point eight nine percent. The only other positive sector is communication services. Uh, way on the south end of that, the negative end, uh, real estate, consumer discretionary, information technology. Believe in that, information technology could be third from the worst. Uh, we've gotten so spoiled watching that skyrocket. Um, well, we've been saying that for a while, that it's overvalued. So. Yeah, yeah, there, there's no doubt that uh, the valuations have gotten really um, stretched in that particular space. Uh, information technology over the last 12 months is still a huge leader, 36% higher. Uh, S&P 500 up 22% in the same period. Uh, communication services, again, you know, doing quite well at 32.25% higher. Materials came out of nowhere just in the past year, that's kind of a, a reflation play. That's that's a, a rebound from recession, if you will. You start to see uh, raw materials as businesses start building inventory again, creating, you know, goods that uh, consumers will buy. Um, but that interesting. I, I know it's been, you know, a, a lot of people have done work to their house being stuck in their house, right? right? right. I'm sure we've talked about that, but mm -hmm. the cost of lumber is just through the roof. That is that is another one of those instances, you know, and, and not only that, we've got kind of a housing boom going on because we've got uh, such short uh, inventory of housing. Uh, you've got a lot of folks that are out there building new homes um, on the the negative end for the last 12 months, utilities down 11.7%. And this, we probably ought to spend a little time here talking. So, um, you know, I see financials up 21.68%. And if, if you just talk about what's gone on in the last couple of months, so, uh, you know, year to date, uh, the market's relatively flat now. We've seen it higher by over 4% at its peak uh, this year, but right now, energy in just the short two months and a week, 33.5%. Yeah. Wow. It's just huge. Um, and like I say, this is, this is one of those things, 
we could have seen coming. You know, well, a huge dip last year, right? Exactly. A, a, yeah, a buying and, opportunity. Right, and and uh, even after this big gain, now we're seeing over the past twelve months the energy is now fourteen point four one percent higher. Um, you know, in in twenty twenty it was down. I don't even remember what the number is, but m- multiple right. uh, tens of percents, right? Like right. 25, 35%, something like that, uh, and and just languished for a while because demand had gone so far in the hole. But we have seen a, a significant rebound there, and as you said, Shauna, energy is up 33.5%, financials up 11.7%. Why? Interest rates? Interest rates. Have there gone you. up, right? Yeah, uh, starting, if you measure from uh, the end of July 2020, uh, interest rates started at about 0.54% on the 10-year Treasury. Today, they're over 1.5%. We've seen just in a percentage rise, now this is obviously not absolute, but a, a relative percentage rise, uh, over 160% increase in the 10-year Treasury yield. Um, that's huge. You don't often see that kind of change Percentage-wise, now you look at it and say, "Well, how in the world can that make a difference?" It's only one and a half percent. The market is becoming more and more sensitive to inflation. Uh, you don't have to look far to find anecdotal uh, evidence, meaning you know, just on a personal level of things that have gone up in price. I heard the guys down in research today talking about. I think Nick said, "I went and bought three heads of lettuce," and I'm like, "Man, you're gonna starve to death." <laughs> and he was talking about how much it costs. It's like four bucks a head. I'm like, "Wow, uh, I don't know why you would pay for all that, but uh, uh, glad it was you and not me." Um, but anyway, the the market and uh, especially equities are becoming more sensitive to the fact that interest rates are rising, and the reason that that matters is because the cost of capital increases and it makes it a little more difficult for companies to be profitable as interest rates rise. So, um, you know, we've saw, we've seen some of the the sectors that we're talking about. Uh, Bond-type proxies are utilities, real estate even to some extent. Well, I guess that's what I was going to wonder. You know, it, it, does that make real estate go down since interest rates Tens- are higher and it's uh, it, it hasn't yet. purchasing, right? Right. It hasn't yet. Um, most of the real estate, because there is a few other dynamics that are going on that have caused, uh, you know, real estate to continue higher. Number one is the fact that we've got kind of a, a shortage. Right. Uh, and, and the other is, you know, even even institutional and, and uh, commercial uh, type business uh, type real estate is is actually doing uh, quite well right now. So uh, it hasn't gotten so bad that uh, prices have dipped there. But um, you know, if it continued, you probably would see that. But utilities, uh, consumer staples, um, and and even traded daily traded uh, real estate has has begun to show some signs of uh, waning. On top of that, we've also seen financials spike Money talks. We'll be right back.
This is the dog. The dog of the week. All right, we got a dog of the week this week, and uh, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that I'm almost embarrassed to say this out loud. China has figured out how to kill a tourism industry. They have decided that the best way for them to determine whether or not foreign visitors to their country have COVID is through an anal swab. And no, I'm not kidding, Shauna, I see your face. They say that it is the the most accurate way to determine whether or not someone has or has had COVID-19. And the way it came up, I, my my intern gives me these stories, and when I read it, I thought, come on, man, there is no way that this is a real story. So I, I decided, you know, to, to take my career in my hands and Google China COVID-19 test. I stopped right and there. And IT called you? No, no, they didn't because I stopped right there. I hit the button, and the first story up was this. Believe it or not, I mean, it, it's... Well, that's it's how they on, test for the flu, isn't it? It made it to WebMD. Come on. <laughs> I mean, it's even on WebMD. And I'm not kidding. Wow. I, do they test for the flu? I've never been tested for the flu in that manner. <laughs> I couldn't. I, and, and by the way, I am not planning to visit China anytime soon. Uh, so wow. can we not come up with a, a blood test for this? Well, <laughs> you know, it was it was a nasal swab. It, they they even said saliva. Uh, there's various other ways, but uh, this, if a stool they, sample, they said a stool sample is the other way that you can do it. But who in the world, as a traveler, wants to go to China and have to deal with all of that in the airport? And that's exactly <laughs> what's going on. The way this came up now is Japan began complaining to Beijing about having their their citizens tested when they travel to China. U.S. ambassadors have actually had to had to undergo this same methodology, and China is now saying, "No, no, we never said they had to." I, is there anybody that's going to voluntarily say, hey, uh, sign me up for this test? Well, I, and think about the people's job it is to test for exactly, the test. Exactly. I don't, I so mean. what do you do for a living? <laughs> uh, uh, Jennifer, that day at the beach is looking even brighter. That's today. right. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Holy cow. I, I just, honestly, I, the, the initial source is one that's very political, and, and that's what my intern had sent me. And that's the reason I'm like, you know what, people these days can twist politics in various different ways. There's no way this is true. So, again. Do you think they sit around and go, man, my job stinks? <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer gets a bell for the dad joke of the week. I'm telling you. That wow, what was that show, Dirty Jobs? Oh, yeah. 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 Mike, Mike Rowe needs to head to China Love immediately. Him. Love him. Holy cow. Anyway, uh, so enough of that uh, uncomfortable moment on this fine Saturday morning. Uh, I, I just couldn't help that one getting by me and uh without a doubt that is the dog of the week that is the dog yeah. that is all right 
Well, uh, we've got a situation that we want to talk about. Believe it or not, this is a financial show, and uh, once in a while... It's a very serious show, yeah, Troy. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Well, you know, we try to make it a little lighthearted. Uh, uh, even even with our sophomoric craziness at times. Um, <clears throat> but we have a situation where Rachel and Eddie, uh, in their mid to late 50s, um, are in a situation. They've got, uh, you know, a daughter that's, that's uh, graduating college. Uh, Rachel and Eddie always dreamed of retiring early and enjoying life when they were young enough to enjoy it. They've uh, diligently saved. Good job. Uh, And now they're looking at retiring when they each reach the age of 62, taking Social Security benefits early. Uh, Their daughter will be off the payroll. They've got that in quotes uh, for uh, for a few years by then. So any money they've been providing for her college uh, can now go directly into their savings. They finance their forever home uh, with a mortgage at 3.5%. I like the fact that they've got that mortgage, too. I mean, why would you pay it off, right? Right. Um, you could you could have refinanced it, but maybe not now. Yeah, well, I mean, maybe not at the absolute cheapest rates. Right. 3.5% is probably still a little achievable. Yeah. Uh, but they've uh, s- they've saved separately for their annual vacation, so that expense isn't coming out of their retirement fund. Uh, they feel they have a good mix of tax-deferred and tax-free assets. They've even diversified there. These guys are on the stick uh, to control their tax situation, um, but they do have an issue, right? Well, yes, and this is something that comes up so frequently, and it's very, very important. So they're not Medicare age yet, which is fine, but that age. Sixty-five. Sixty-five. So they got three. Sixty-five. So they have three years after they retire. Yeah. Potentially, yeah. You could sometimes you can be on Cobra up to eighteen months. It just depends. But that's expensive too, right? It is, but it's depending on the size of the company. It can be cheaper than going out and buying your own policy. Oh, okay. So potentially, so you need to look at and build in what is the cost for health care, which has gone up astronomically in the past few years. Um, you know, a lot of the policies have everything included, but the ki- you know everything in the kitchen sink in there, and so in the kitchen, in sink. The kitchen sink. That's yeah. right, and and you know very high deductibles, and you know they're still very very expensive. Right. So whereas you've been planning this whole time to go ahead and retire early, that's great, but you need to build in that expense to gap those years until your Medicare age, where your expenses go down significantly potentially. I got you. And how much are we talking about? It really depends on your health. So mm. that's where it's, you really have to get an expert to price it out and look. And a lot of it's done through the exchange now, actually. I see. Mm-hmm. So that's probably the most convenient way to find insurance is through the exchange, especially Correct. if you have pre-existing conditions. I don't know, you know, unless you're on uh, some sort of a group health policy, can you get insurance? Yeah, I mean, Obamacare made it so that you could in the pre-existing conditions. But through know, that, that uh, market, The policy should not have a lapse. As long as you have a lapse, yes. I see. Um, okay. So that should not be a problem. But it's an additional expense that many don't plan for or think about, you know, when they're retiring prior to Medicare age. So it's very important. So how would you go about determining that cost? Just, I mean, at their age, 57, 59, would you say uh, you go ahead and... 
try it out and see what it would cost? Absolutely. There's there's numbers you can run on the exchange and look at. You can also call, call brokers. Um, a lot of brokers have actually left the marketplace, and they're helping mostly with Medicare, Medigap policies, et cetera. Um, so, you know, really, it's a niche market, just really finding someone that can help you price that out and, and answer the questions. It's very complex. Right. Uh, part of the reason they left that marketplace, though, is because if you are selling insurance on the marketplace, aren't you obligated to take people with pre-existing conditions? I'm not sure of the answer of that. Okay. I'm not uh, sure of the answer uh, of that. Either way, I, you know, there's... There, there has been, I, I think a lot of folks were on it, a lot of companies were on the marketplace initially, and then when uh, Donald Trump removed the, the, um, uh, the law that basically made health insurance mandatory, right. that's when you started seeing the people or companies leave the marketplace in droves, right? Correct. There, there were a lot of companies that left the marketplace. Many have come back into the marketplace since. Uh, but there was a time where there was very few in the marketplace where you could buy these policies. But a few companies have come back. So we have seen that, at least in the, the Georgia market area. I'm not familiar with the entire United States. So, um, But I think, you know, the biggest point to this, though, that we're trying to make is that they just really need to know that they're going to have that additional expense. And it can be pretty high. Right. And so it's not something that they should just... Because when you look at running your plan, you're going, okay, well, I spend normally this much per year. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, but you have to thank them for that three years after they retire, they're going to have a, you know, a large additional expense that they haven't necessarily planned for. Yeah, I mean, it can be somewhere, I mean, even 2000 a month or something. I mean, it's it's not inexpensive at all. Yeah. All right, so um, the the big point is you're about to have a bump in cash flow. Even though you've done quite a great job, you're going to be able to retire early. But, oh, wait a minute. You might need to save a little extra just to get right. you through that three years. It doesn't necessarily mean they can't do it, but they, you know... Some people sit there and weigh the, well, is it, you know, is it really bad for me to work another three years and just have my health insurance, you know. Just to make sure and gap that. Be mm -hmm. there so that I don't worry about it. Or am I, you know, if you're bound and determined that, like, I want to retire and this is, you just need to know that you're going to have that additional expense. All right. Well, uh, let's take a real quick break right here. When we come back, we'll uh, delve into more financial topics. Stick around. You're listening to Money Talk. Grab your shotgun, cock it back, shoot the sun until the sky is back. Now I shall hope that the sun got rhythm, because he gon' dance when that music hit him. Lowering interest rates. Lowering interest rates. Cannot stop. Cannot stop the sharp drop in economic activity caused by closures and other forms of social distancing. When the world changes, you know what to do. This, this is, is Money Talks. We're back. You're listening to Money Talks. I'm Troy Harmon here today with Shauna Theriault and uh, Jennifer Thomas. And we've been talking about uh, a situation, making sure you have... Uh, 
insurance if you're going to retire early and planning for that uh, that occurrence. Uh, if you have your own financial questions, we'd love to hear from you and answer your questions on the air. Uh, you can get in touch with us by calling our question hotline at 1-855-429-9166. The way that works, you'll call, you'll get our message at the beep, you'll leave your message including your question, we play the question on the air, and we answer right behind it. Uh, if you prefer instead of talking to our machine to talk to a human being, you can call 770-429-9166. Ask for the radio show or Kelly Lynn. Uh, they'll patch you through. Uh, you can let her know what it is that you'd like to ask. Uh, she gets the question to us, and we answer on the air in that manner. Or probably the more common way is by email, and uh, our email address for the show is drgene at hensler.com. That's spelled D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R dot com. Uh, there's also another way that you can find our wisdom. Not going to be on the air, but it is on our website. And the website is Hensler.com, spelled in the same manner, H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. We've got lots of information there uh, to help you invest, uh, save money, maybe even some financial planning topics, uh, as well as taxes. And uh, it is tax season, so, um, you know, again, if you wanted to get in touch with somebody that can help you with your taxes, get in touch with Shauna or Jennifer directly, you can call us, the number again, 770-429-9166. So um, we've, uh, we've been talking about uh situation with uh, Rachel and Eddie, who've done a great job in various, various ways, uh, mostly saving for their retirement. They've got a daughter that uh, they say is just about off the payroll. Uh, I know a lot of parents are in that situation, and uh, while it is kind of bittersweet, it's it's still tough for me to watch my kids grow up. And they're not even out of the house yet, but I do have one going to college next year. So, or wait a minute. This year. Is it this year? Yeah, this fall. Oh. Uh, she's heading to University of Alabama. So uh, my daughter will be heading off to school. Uh, so, uh, you know, I'm I'm already missing her, and she's not even gone yet. That's where my niece is going. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. It's a good school. they got an awesome campus, I'll tell you that. Um, but uh, it's very impressive. But, uh, you know, we're talking about this situation. They've done great saving. they got a, a relatively low mortgage on the house. Um, you know, we... we talk through the situation and and really it boils down more or less to hey don't forget this if you're planning to retire before 65 when you can't go on medicaid uh you're going to have to bridge the gap for a few years so shauna you got anything else to add i mean save more money sure absolutely when you get on medicare at age 65 um your expenses can go down but if you're bridging that gap you know there could be cobra so look at that first that okay. could be cheaper than individual policy depending on you know the landscape of the company etc um so look there first uh but then price that in meaning you know when you're looking at your financial plan one of the things we look at is our 10-year rule we always right. talk about that right so any money we project you need to spend in the next 10 years we don't want on the stock market um you know for exactly what happened last year and we had a huge dip very quickly sure uh we don't want to have that money invested in the market so yeah. and looking at a projection if they're in their late 50s you know they're retiring in the next three to five years then then, you know, we, we want to look at, 
that additional expense and make sure you have enough fixed income set aside to cover that. Because what you don't want to do is have to go in and sell stocks if they're down to pay for those additional expenses. Yeah, so the point is to avoid the the volatility of the equities market because even though it was up last year, 18.4%, it was also down last year in a month and a half by 34%. Exactly. Yeah. So you really get away from that volatility if you have enough money set aside to spend from while the market's you know, going up, down, sideways, all around. That long-term investing, you can leave that money invested and you have the money to spend over the next you know, 10 years based on a projection. Right. So if you, if you find yourself you know, $24,000, $20,000 short, meaning because you know you have this additional expense that's maybe 2000 a month I'm just estimating and, and guesstimating then you know you don't want to be short that much especially over a 3 year period I mean that's 75 grand right yeah the the name of the game ultimately is to make sure that you've got enough money to spend the rest of your life without running out right right and uh if you that's retire right. when you retire early you do increase that risk but if you've planned even for you know the the spanning of of uh, your your insurance, your health insurance, um, and who the heck knows what might happen with your health, right? Uh, especially when you start getting older, you you get tweaks and issues, right? So you got to have them taken care of. Hey, this is from somebody. You're laughing, Shauna, but I've already reached old. <laughs> I wasn't going to say ancient, it. You said I'm, it. I'm you old. said it. Ancient. <laughs> I said I'm not ancient, but I'm old. I don't like saying that because I'm older than him, and I, I don't right. think I'm old. And, and it's Jennifer's, vintage. It's vintage. Well, Jennifer and I prefer experienced. Right. We are experienced. <laughs> so uh, whatever that looks like, we are that. Yeah. All right. So uh, is there anything else we need to cover here? I, I think it's great. I mean, it, this is uh, obviously it's a topic a lot of folks run into. Uh, unfortunately, not enough because it usually doesn't happen if you're going to retire at 65, right? Right. So, uh, right. you know, I don't know that I'll ever have to deal with this because I, I couldn't imagine what I'm going to do with my time if I should retire. But um you know, let alone at 62. I just really don't plan that. But, hey, here's the other thing. How many people do you know that have ever thought they were going to work for a long time and they get retired, meaning that it really wasn't their decision? Correct. That happens way too often, It right? does. It does where, yeah, the company or what have you, it's their time, and um, they didn't plan on that. Yeah, so, so. so even for, you know, the average person who thinks they're going to work to 65, unless they control their own destiny like uh, you know they're a business owner where they can quit theoretically whenever they wanted to uh it's probably not a bad idea to have this thought in mind no matter what your situation absolutely yeah what happens more times than not is clients plan that they're going to retire and then they end up not retiring and they work longer but it it, it makes it it makes it different because you're retireable, so you're able to retire, but you and you know that, so you can leave any day, and you just don't want to. Yeah. So it makes it's different than I have to work because I'm working towards retirement, and I'm now retireable, and I work because I like it. Yeah. So. Well, and uh, that's a great point because a lot of financial planning, if you do it exactly right, uh, it makes it so that your finances are not the deciding factor in the next step of your life. Exactly. It's yeah. a matter of what you want to do. Right. And really. 
if you just tell me when you're going to pass away, we can do perfect planning. <laughs> do you know anyone who can tell you that? Uh, not no, very many. Yeah. No. Yeah, and life would be really odd if you could. It would. Oh, yeah. And I don't uh, know that we'd want to do planning based on that. Yeah, I don't even want to consider that thought at all. No. Personally. No. Uh, it was weird enough for me, and I mean, I, this is the second time I've mentioned my kids in this show, but uh, both of my children were, were born C-section. So, you know, the doctor asks you, so when do you want to have this procedure done? I'm like, you're not going to make me do that. I don't want to decide my kid's birthday. You tell me when you're available. Or or when your wife goes under the knife. I mean, yeah, but I mean, that was not yeah. your decision. <laughs> exactly. Well, they were asking me and my wife. It's like sure. she didn't want to decide uh, it either. No, I'm, I'm not doing this. You right, tell me. Right. Anyway, I, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to know. Either one. Don't make me involved. Let's just make it kind of something that happened, right? Right. Um, all right. Well, we've got a question here, uh, and I don't know that I'll get through it, but uh, we are short on time a little bit. But I'm going to go ahead and uh, read it off. Uh, good friend Ed Kelly sent us an email saying, I'm thinking of placing some stop orders on a few of the stocks we own, especially those that have large gains over the years. Uh, we're not inclined to be in and out of the market or try to time the market, but a stop limit or a trailing stop order seems to make sense to me. Uh, we are age 65, fully retired. I like the 10-year rule. We have uh, enough liquidity so that the significant market pullback wouldn't hurt us. But when I look at the significant gains we have in some of the stocks that have risen a lot over the last 15 or 25 years, uh, I would hate to see that value be cut by a significant market setback. Some of the stocks are in taxable accounts, but the majority are in retirement accounts, so uh, most wouldn't trigger a tax event uh, if a stop order triggered a sale. Do you have any general advice on using stop orders? Um, uh, let's let's step through and talk about what a stop order is. First of all, if you're looking to sell something on a stop order, basically you set a price, and if the price of the stock moves through that target, it makes it a market order then. So it could sell at an amount lower, or it could sell at an amount higher than your stop, right? Right. Uh, the other piece is a stop limit. And since we are up against the break, I'm going to leave it right there. And when we come back... We will talk a little more about what goes on with a stop limit order. Stick around. You're listening to Money Talks. We'll be right back. The forceful measures that we as a country are taking to control the spread of the virus have brought much of the economy to an abrupt halt. Many businesses have closed. People have been asked to stay home. Your money, your money is on the line. Is on the line. Money talk. Money talk is on the air. We're back. You're listening to Money Talks. I'm Troy Harmon here with Jennifer Thomas and Shauna Theriault, and uh, we've been talking a lot about uh, making sure you have enough money to bridge the gap in health insurance if uh, you are fortunate enough to retire early and enjoy life a little more than uh, some folks get to. Uh, and we were previously, just before the break, talking about uh, maybe some way to insure against a significant drop 
in your assets from a, a listener question, our good friend Ed Kelly. If you have questions that you would like to get on the air, we'd love to hear from you. Our question hotline is one eight five five four two nine nine one six six. You'll call that number. You'll get our message uh, at the beep. You'll leave your message, including your question. We play it on the air and answer right behind it. Uh, otherwise, you can call and talk to a human. Uh, the number there is 770-429-9166, or you can email us at drgene at hensler.com. That's spelled D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. Um, so uh, let's let's get back into this question with uh, our good friend Ed Kelly. Basically, he's got uh, some some highly appreciated positions. He doesn't want to lose momentum in the market. Uh, he's held them for years, you know, a, a long-term buy-and-hold strategy, 15 to 25 years in some of these positions. And he's got some in taxable accounts, some in uh, retirement accounts. And he's, he wants to know, do you have any general advice on using stop orders? I had already mentioned a stop order basically just triggers a market sell if it's just straight up a sell stop order, uh, if, which is what he would want to use in some ways. You can also set a sell stop limit order, which uh, basically when it trades through your, your target to the downside, it then becomes a limit order and you only sell at or above or a certain better, price. Right. Yeah, so you always get better execution. Versus Problem going is, down. And Jennifer, you were talking about that a little bit during the break where sure. if it goes through, turns into market order, you, you were mentioning a story about that. Yeah, there was, I mean, you know, I, we actually had a client that had put in a stop order on a stock, and it was a day where the market had a huge drop and then immediately recovered. Um, and I think, Troy, we were talking about it might have been um, yeah. May 6, like the 2010. flash crash exactly. of 2010. Yep. Right. And so that was a wild what happened day. with him is he had this limit order or this uh, where he, you know, had uh, placed it at a price that he wanted. Well, the market was dropping so fast and it went down so rapidly, it um, went way down and then his order was finally sold, and then it went way back up. And, of course, he got, like, almost the bottom price. Right. And, see, the and limit order would have prevented that that you're talking it about, It could have. Yeah, it could have. Right. Yep. Right. What he still might have the, sold, but, yeah. you know, not at the But there is still risk price. even with a stop limit order. So, for example, if you, if you have a stock, and let's say it's trading at $43 a share, and you put in a stop at 40 with a limit of 38. But if the market is dropping rapidly enough, it may hit that 40 point and trigger the stop and it can continue to drop before your trade executes. It could go below the 38 and then, you know, on down further and then all of a sudden the, you're you're not getting that protection. It's gone. You know, the right. the stock is down and you've not and it's not executed. Right. And you still so hold it below that 38. Ways. I'm sorry, Jennifer, go ahead. I'm sorry, yes, and you just have risk both ways. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and here's the thing. If I mean, Ed, you mentioned that you uh, like the 10-year rule. And to be honest with you, the reason that we use the 10-year rule is to take the emotion of investing away from your your uh, 
basic decision making. The reason being, uh, you know, if as long as you make sure that you hold stocks that have good, solid, fundamental uh, issues, earnings don't drop by, you know, 10% in an hour. That just doesn't happen. Uh, you get a company, you, you can see them begin to struggle. It, it might happen over a long period of time, which gives you the opportunity to sell, protect your gains, and move on to the next stock. Uh, and, and while you know that happens from time to time, something you've held for 15 to 20 years uh, hasn't experienced that. So you know the big, the big thing is make sure that you're buying good companies mm-hmm. with good solid earnings, uh, maybe even a, an attractive dividend, things like that. And they just don't fall apart that way. Now, the market might have a pullback. Uh, Jennifer mentioned uh, the flash crash. That really did happen. The S&P 500 fell 6% in five minutes 45 minutes later this was on uh, may 6th of 2010 45 minutes later it was all back to even like nothing had ever happened but see that right there is exactly why you have to have a financial plan because if we say you know looking out 10 years you have that set aside in fixed income outside of the stock market when it when things like that happen we're not reacting of course we make strategic moves but we're not selling and trying to go to cash you know you know ed talks about that you know trying to time the market we're not trying to do that that's why we have a financial plan that you follow yeah well, uh, you know, there are some other strategies you could follow. You might even find a, a put. A lot of folks look at that as insurance against the, the specific stocks, you know, selling off or something like that. But honestly, I think those strategies are, are probably not going to benefit you, especially, Ed, we know you're not a trader. You've you've established that. You're a long-term investor. Focus on the fundamentals and make sure that your 10-year plan is in place and you're going to be good. And if that company is up that far and you have all these appreciated securities, of course, and you know you've heard us say this before, make sure it's less than 10% of your portfolio. Right. If it's not, trim it back, irregardless of taxes. Forget about the taxes. Be prudent. Um, and if it's had, if they've had that large of a run-up, is there somewhere else that you can make more money potentially? Go yeah. ahead. Take your gains off the table. Right. Pay the tax and buy something that we, you know, you think is going to grow has more growth potential because it's already gotten that growth that you've that you've earned sure yeah uh, companies that you're describing you know that you've probably held for 15 or 20 years are, are likely going to be one of two things either a slow grower or it still has some growth potential if it's a slow grower and pays a good dividend hey there's plenty of reason to hang on to something like that uh, we've got another question, and this, again, is from uh, our good friend Ed Kelly. I want to uh, get through this, so uh, I can't imagine Tesla uh, being something I'd buy. I'd agree with that, given its incredible P.E., yet I think electric vehicles are certainly going to be the future. Are there publicly traded companies, companies that have something to do with electric vehicle production across the board, which are a solid long-term investment, uh, producers of batteries, uh, producers of ingredients uh, in batteries. Sounds to me like Ed was listening last week when we talked about this, and and I have uh, described on air making sure that when you see these stocks, even if you're really interested, because I I believe electric vehicles are our future as well, the future of transportation, um, but so many of them, especially Tesla with its... Uh, with its huge uh, 1,040 times earnings, the price is uh, unbelievably high, and they've just now begun to 
to uh, pump out earnings, uh, what I've described is look through the supply chain and find something that might be there. Now, uh, Ed, I did look around and... Um, Tesla's got, you know, they've got some pretty solid fundamentals when you think about a growth company. Earnings expectations going forward in the next three to five years up 40.7%. Uh, they've grown earnings at about 28% recently, um, and that's over, you know, the last uh, five years, of course, recently is, is the key there because they really just have uh, become uh profitable but companies like general motors i think are going to benefit the problem with general motors and nikola and workhorse which make varying degrees of electric vehicles is they don't meet our financial criteria they really uh general motors has been around forever they make a lot of cars they make the chevy volt which i think is a good automobile and probably uh going to be a, a good one for a long time uh has a good range but uh what i think you might want to check into is some of the uh um, exchange-traded funds. I believe that's probably going to be a better spot. Uh, and maybe even some of their holdings. Some of them have things like Google, uh, Intel, uh, Microsoft, uh, Blink Charging, uh, Plug Power, but most of those companies don't meet our criteria either. So uh, getting an ETF might be the way. DRIV, KARS, HAIL, or some ticker symbols you might check into. Um, and believe it or not, that is about the end of our show. There's one more thing that I wanted to throw out, and uh, that is, Jennifer, do you think Dr. Gene's age is going to be up or down this week? I think it's going to be up on Saturday. Up on Saturday. There you go. He, uh, Dr. Gene, the founder of Hensler Financial, will be 81 this very day, and uh, we wanted to wish him a happy birthday. Happy birthday. Yeah, absolutely. Happy birthday, Dr. Dr. Gene. Uh, Y'all see us next week. We'll be back on the air. Thanks for listening to Money Talks. All material presented is from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decision and is not intended to replace the advice of qualified professionals, such as tax consultants, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in the Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.